Hi everyone, this is Lifestyle of a Gay Black Boy and I am uh, Fuegolion Vermilion. If you know who that is, tell me. I will high-five you through the internet if I have to or if I see you out at a bar, I'll buy you a drink. Um, welcome. I hope you guys have all had a great week. It is Friday. Friday is finally here. And I am so happy it's here with Labor Day this week and having a short work week. It felt like it dragged on for fucking ever. But Friday is finally here and we can all enjoy this beautiful, beautiful weather. Well, if you're down with a hurricane has happened or is happening, I apologize that you may not have beautiful weather. But I hope that at least this will give you some relief or at least a little bit of a laugh with everything that's happening. I hope everybody who's there is safe and I hope the death toll doesn't go up any higher. Um, Today is just a beautiful day here in upstate New York and I'm sending you all positive vibes. Um, If you would like to interact with the show, you can definitely do that on all of the social medias. Now you can just look for Lifestyle of a Gay Black Boy or Lifestyle GBB or LGBB. All three search results will bring you to the official podcast pages on all of the social media platforms. Um, You can also email me at lifestylegbb at gmail.com. That's lifestyle, G as in gay, B as in black, B as in boy at gmail.com. Tell me what you think about the show. Send in your questions. If you want advice on something, send in topics you'd like to hear me discuss. I am all in for reading it. And of course, like I always say, if you decide to curse me out in an email, if you go over eight curse words this week, I doubt that I will keep reading after the eighth word that is of the curse persuasion. But I will definitely come back to it probably when I hit 40. It is September, if you're not aware, and this is probably my favorite month of the year because it's my birthday month. But um, I hope that you guys are all enjoying it. Um, today's episode is called Gay, Black, and Confused. It is called Gay, Black, and Confused, and I'll get into it of why I'm calling the episode Gay, Black, and Confused, but I'll start us off with some of the updates that they have going on. One of the updates is on Sudan. It seems like the process of electing their transitional government team is going very smoothly, and a group of teens actually did a demonstration and protest about sexual assault and violence that has recently occurred in the country. It is something that I would definitely suggest you go and look at and research and read about if you are still interested in learning about what's going on in Sudan. The fight is not over for them, but hope is definitely on the horizon. Um, With Kashmir, there is still more going on with more violence there and the government taking over and taking away Kashmir's autonomy. Kashmir is another place that I've talked about on a few episodes. I would suggest that you go and read about them as well. I don't have detailed information about the Sudan and Kashmir for this podcast today because the topic I'm going to be talking about is a tad bit long. And I don't know if you guys want to hear my whining, nasally voice for an hour and a half. (laughs) But there's resources are out there. Al Jazeera, BBC, The New York Times, CNN, 
Um, a few other news outlets that I know have been doing a lot of reporting about the issues going on in Sudan and Kashmir, along with what is happening in the Amazon rainforest. It has not stopped, even though we don't hear about it on the forefront of our news. The fires are still burning. Um, one of the religious leaders in Brazil has said that the fire in the Amazon is essentially the apocalypse for Brazil and South America. It's still happening at this time. There have been fires in the past in the Amazon, but this is a fire like no other. There are thousands of fires that are still burning through the rainforest, and there are efforts and fights to stop them, but the government there, or at least the president, isn't really doing too much to stop the people who are setting the fires for agricultural reasons. Um, it is a lot to go into and to research, and I suggest that you take in the information bit by bit so you can understand what's going on, because I'm doing the same. You know, looking into what's going on there, a lot of what I'm seeing is the fact that the president isn't doing anything to really stop the businesses and industries that are there in the Amazon rainforest setting these fires to clear land for livestock, for grazing, for industrialization and all these things and minerals and, you know, they're taking tons of things from the Amazon. While we do have to expand as humanity grows on this planet, we still have to take into account that without a sustainable ecosphere, we will all die. So if there is no planet, there is no money. Businesses take that into account. If there is no fucking planet, you can't make money. And if you die rich, it doesn't do you a thing because you're still dead. Just saying. <laughs> so those are three uh, updates I want to give you guys. And I suggest that you do go and check them out. And let's get into the show. Because like I said, the episode is titled Gay, Black, and Confused. Now, I want to start off with a quote. This quote comes from an author named Shannon L. Adler. Alder, geez, I just got tongue-tied. And the quote from him is, the most confused you will ever get is when you try to convince your heart and spirit of something your mind knows is a lie. So for today's episode, it's about confusion. Not confusion in the way some people may be thinking, like pulling out a gun at Popeye's because they ran out of chicken, or the way an individual would pour a fire accelerant like alcohol on their ass, set it on fire, then twerk and get surprised when they end up with second and third degree burns on their ass. Yes, that happened. Yeah. You can just Google it. Girl sets her ass on fire. Ridiculous. <laughs> but I'm going to focus on the confusing things that I have seen in my view of what's been in the forefront of the news lately. There's been tons of things on the news, some hugely important, like the fact that the Amazon is still burning, and then others that are kind of just like, oh, what's trending on Twitter, or who responded to such and such on Twitter and sent somebody some love. I don't think that's news, and I don't understand why that's on the world news of who tweeted what. <sighs> Fucking dumb. If you want to see what's on Twitter, go to Twitter. Um, but there are three areas I want to focus on. The first being something that was on the forefront last weekend, and that was the straight pride parades. 
So this past Saturday, 31st of August, in the city of Boston, an event known as Straight Pride was held. It was organized by a group called the Super Fun Happy America. That name, I don't quite understand it, but it reminds me of the tropes you would see for Japanese television shows where it's like super happy fun toast time or happy galactic fun hour plus data where it's just these long titles that I just didn't understand, which, I mean, the shows were still fantastic, or, like, one that I'm really into. It has to do with your mom launching a two-pronged attack. It's amazing. But this group, called the Super Fan Happy America, their purpose is to advocate on behalf of the straight community. They do this under the premise that straight people are the oppressed majority in our country. I want that to sink in right there. The oppressed majority. (sighs) There were about 200 people who showed up in support of the straight pride event. About 600 people showed up to protest the straight pride event. But here's where my confusion started to set in when I was first seeing the stuff. So first, straight pride. What the hell is it? What is it for? Who the fuck needs it, to be quite honest? Straight people, you have never been the oppressed group when it comes to sexuality. I can't recall one time I've heard of a straight person being attacked for holding hands with their partner out in public. I don't recall straight people being fired from their jobs because somebody found out that they were attracted to somebody of the opposite gender or sex. Um, When is the last time, and someone please tell me this, that you heard of somebody who was a heterosexual male being tied to a fence and beaten to death because he kissed a girl and liked it? Um, Or a cisgendered hetero woman being beheaded because she was born with female sex organs? I can't recall any of these things ever happening in the history of my life. And I've been here for three goddamn decades and I still haven't heard this shit happen. You know what I do recall? I do know all of these things have happened to queer individuals. All of these things have happened to people of the LGBTQ community. All of these things have happened to transgendered men and women. But I'm failing to see where the oppression is. Where is it occurring for straight people? I mean, is it the fact that you're jelly that you don't have a rainbow flag? Maybe you want to sweat glitter? I I know that doesn't sound physiological possible, but I do sweat glitter, or at least it's always on me in some way, shape, or form. (laughs) And it's not the same for all gay people. Not all gay people love glitter. Glitter is the herpes of arts and crafts. I just personally love it. Um... Or straight people who did this, do you you just want to have brunch every day? Because if you didn't know, brunch is not just a gay event. It is not just the gay dinner, breakfast, and lunch. Brunch is for everybody. And, you know, I just have to say, hey, girls, girls, and girls, when I say girls, I'm referring to straight men and women. You can do all of the same things that we do and still be straight. I hope that you realize that. Um, When I was watching 
the information for this parade, which honestly, as I was watching it, I felt like I was staring directly into the sun as somebody with really, really bad breath, like halitosis, was trying to give me CPR. I noticed while I was watching a lot of Trump paraphernalia, like a float that said Trump 2020, build that wall, But then there was one thing that stuck out to me the most. And there was this dumb, dumb, dumb looking girl. Uh, Well, I'll call her a girl or woman because I don't know how old she was. Cisgendered white female who had a sign that said, make normalcy normal again. She said, the sign said, make normalcy normal. And then that's when it hit me like a ton of bricks. The purpose of this whole parade, rally, fool's festival, whatever the fuck you want to call it, is these people want to have their oppression power back. The oppressor has noticed that the oppressed community no longer cares what they think. And now they're scared. They're afraid. They're the people who want to see queer individuals jobless, discriminated against, assaulted, and killed. The people at these events and these parades for straight pride were looking for more people to validate them so they could have a good old-fashioned fag drag. That's what they wanted. And if you don't know what a fag drag is, a fag drag is when straight people, well, I would say homophobic people, would find somebody who was gay or lesbian, tie them to the back of a vehicle, and drag them to death. That is a fag drag, just in case you're wondering what that is. You know, when I saw this and when I see this happening and I saw just a bunch of ignorant children, honestly, who were upset that the nerds that they used to bully no longer carried cared what they bull what they thought. They didn't care that the bully was trying to put them into submission anymore. They got upset. They got very, very upset. Now, all I have to say to the people who were there at these rallies in support of this straight pride, please go take several seats, go kick rocks, and eat fucking herpes. That is what you can do. See, I have said the term straight people a lot as I am talking about this. Now, not all straight people are like these individuals who were at this ignorant parade, rally, KKK lynching ceremony, whatever the fuck you want to call it. I believe just like there are people who are racist, who are white, those are white people. But then there are people in this world who are not racist, who happen to be white. And this is the same thing that I look at people when it comes to calling people straight. There are straight people who are ignorant and just completely homophobic, like the people at this parade. And then there are people who happen to be straight, who are not homophobic, who are not ignorant, who are free-thinking, intelligent individuals who understand that loving each other can be a very beautiful thing. I am not focusing my comments on those individuals. I am focusing on the people who are straight people who say queers and fags are going to go burn in hell or the ones who carry signs saying that God hates fags. Those are the people I'm referring to. See, straight people, 
You've been the dominant orientation since the start of this country. I'm going to ask you to stop being envious of people who just want to live their lives without worrying about you. I know the silent treatment eats away at you. And that's what you're getting now is the silent treatment because we don't care about you saying, oh, I don't want gay people teaching my kids. I don't want to hear about gay history in school. But what you need to understand is that there are so many other things you can do besides marching for a right that you have integrally had since the start of this nation. You know what you can go do? And there's a couple of things you can do. It's pretty, pretty fun. You can learn to go crochet a jockstrap. You can rewrite the 95 thesis. You can learn to debone a duck. You can make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You can even go around licking doorknobs. You can find a tour, just like a wine tasting tour, to go get the taste of doorknobs in your mouth. And I have heard that brass pairs very well with cheddar cheese. You know, the only place I see these parades and rallies and events going is they're going to lead to lynchings, goose-stepping, another genocide, and then most likely some kind of war. That is where I see this going. That is where I see this leading. Because watching that parade and the things I saw from the rally and everything they had, I didn't see one bit of love. I didn't see one bit of love and acceptance. Every gay pride event that I've ever been to, yes, there's tons of people who are just sexy, hot, and naked. Yes, there's people in crazy costumes. There's people drunk and screaming and yelling. But at the end of it, at the deep base, there is a layer of love. Love and acceptance for everybody, no matter what part of the community you belong to. No matter if you're heterosexual, cisgender, gender non-binary, male, female, however you identify, straight, gay, lesbian, queer, transgender, curious, asexual, aromantic, whatever you identify, there's accepting love at these pride events. At this straight pride event, There was no acceptance in love. It was either you're straight or you're wrong. Or it was, hey, stop trying to eradicate us with your gay agenda. Newsflash. I need a soundbite for whenever I say newsflash. But newsflash, there is no gay agenda. We do not want to turn you gay. We don't want to turn your children gay. It is impossible to turn somebody gay. You cannot do it. It does not work. Turning gay is not flipping on a light switch in somebody's head. Being gay, being queer, being lesbian, being transgendered, being bisexual is something that is outside the realm of what anybody can influence on your life. It is your genetic makeup. It is how you are. And that is it. That's it. There's nothing you can do about that. We don't want to turn anybody gay because half the people who say, hey, you're trying to turn me gay, either you're very fucking ignorant or you're just not a desirable individual to have a part of our community. 
I, I just have to understand that. And what you need to understand if you, that upsets you is that rejection builds character and rejection is a part of this life. Now, another thing that I want to talk about that does relate to this straight pride parade and the straight pride rhetoric that's been going around is... Schools, and most notably, I think one was just recently in Texas, um, schools are teaching about LGBTQ plus history now. Now, this goes out more geared to people in the African-American and Black community that I have heard and have even said to me that they don't think LGBTQ plus history should be taught in schools. They say they don't want their children to be gay. They, they don't want their children to hear about gay people. They don't want their children to see being queer or gay as normal. One, I fucking hate the word normal. Normal is relative. To me, normal is not talking to anybody for days on end. Somebody could say it to them if they were to analyze that, that that is an abnormal behavior. For me, normal is making sure that nobody interrupts me while I'm eating peanut butter. I don't want to talk when I'm eating peanut butter. One, it's too viscous or thick. (laughs) So I can't have a full conversation. And two, I feel like I'm going to be judged when people see me demolish an entire jar of peanut butter. It will happen in one sitting somebody who observes that may see that as an abnormal behavior. There is no normal. There is no standardized element of normal. We are all different. We're all different for a reason. The other part that I have a problem with this, the people who are upset and are saying, my kids don't need to hear about gay things in school. My kids don't need to know that gay people have a history and path. You are homophobic. If you make those statements, if you're listening to this podcast and you felt that you weren't homophobic because you make statements like that, I'm here to tell you that you are. That is a very homophobic mindset to have when it comes to saying that children and people in this world don't need to know the history of the LGBTQ plus community. You know what happens when you don't know the history of something? You fear it. And when you fear it, you act violently towards it. That is what you're going to set your children up to do, act, and be when they only hear that straight is correct and queer is wrong. They're going to look at it as violence. That is exactly what's going to happen. For the people in the Black community who have said these ignorant things when it comes to people teaching your children about LGBTQ plus community, I want you to relate it to actually being Black. And I say that because if you look at history books, The African-American experience in this country coming over as slaves, being beaten, sold, raped and abused, assaulted and killed. It's barely mentioned in history books in school. Barely compared to all the other things that are mentioned in school. Because it's barely mentioned in all these other things in school, the kids who are coming up have to learn about the Black experience of slavery and going on from there on their own outside of school. The people who do know the history can explain it, but it's like 
unraveling an onion at that point because they've been wrapped up in teachings that did not talk about the truth of the past of this country. Now, I say that as well to bring up, it has been ingrained in some white individuals' heads that the scary, dangerous individual is somebody who is black or brown. So when somebody's scared, they hurt black and brown people. It equates to the same thing when it comes to LGBTQ community. The same people who are saying, hey, look at us, we're being beat and killed. Gay people are saying the same thing. Hey, look at us, we're being beat and killed. And it's happening either from people who just have sheer hate in their hearts for us or people who are afraid of us. So since they're afraid of us, they want to attack and hurt us. That's just something to think about when you say something as ignorant as learning about history of the LGBT community is something that is disgraceful or terrible for children to learn about. There's nothing terrible about it. So that's the one first thing I wanted to talk about. Um, The second thing that I really want to get into has to do with slavery. And it's kind of a little segue into that. Before I get into it, what I'm going to do, because I feel like I've got sandpaper in my throat, I need to get a good old drink of water, maybe with a splash of rum in it. So we're going to take a little break and we'll be right back. Hi everyone. Today's episode of Lifestyle of a Gay Black Boy is sponsored by Anchor. If you're not familiar with Anchor, let's talk about it for a little bit because it's not something that's going to tie you down to the bottom of the ocean. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First, it's free. And everybody knows a girl loves free. Free is better than skinny. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. They do all of the work for you. I mean, look at this. You can hear my crazy whiny voice on over 10 platforms already. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So... Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M to get started. And then you can have your voice out there like this little girl here. So check it out, y'all. And let's get back to the show. Hey, everyone. We're back. We are back. We're back. So... I want to get back into this because the second piece of news that has caught my attention over this last week is about the 1619 Project. I briefly talked about this last week, and if you're not familiar with it, the 1619 Project is a New York Times piece. The author is Nicole Hannah-Jones, and the thesis is a consensus of 20 Black scholars poets, and artists' contributions. It's called The 1619 Project. I truly suggest that anybody who is listening to this go pick up a copy, go online and find it. You can read it. It's fantastic. It's only 100 pages. It is a very, very quick read. 
Now, the 1619 Project talks about the 400-year period since slavery started and has transformed to still exist today. I'm going to say it again. I suggest that every person in America read it, and I support it so much that I feel the 1619 Project should be added to required reading list for schools. Um, I am an advocate of it. I want to advocate that here in New York, and I'm going to find the people to talk to, the people who we should get involved with, who can make that happen. Make it a part of required reading list for children in school, because I look at what we read now in school, or at least when I was in school, we read Shakespeare, Huck Finn, Tom Sawyer, um, short stories, all these things that, I mean, yes, I can understand there are literary things in them that they say is good to know for English and you're getting exposed to all these things. Fahrenheit 451 is a great book. By the way, there's a movie out. It's got Michael B. Jordan in it. The movie isn't that amazing, but Michael B. Jordan is just a great man to stare at. So, I mean, if you want some good candy for the eyes that won't burn you, I suggest you go see it. But we read all these other things that really, to me, are not relevant for the time. The 1619 Project, I feel, is very relevant for our time, for history, so we don't let history repeat itself. I do feel that. I will stand for it because it's amazing. Um, So... It may seem a little awkward that uh, I'm mentioning the 1619 Project in this podcast where I'm talking about things that have confused me. But my confusion is setting in because there was a uh, opinion piece that was posted by the Washington, I'm sorry, the Wall Street Journal. And it was written by Robert L. Woodson. And it's titled, The 1619 Project hurts blacks. Now, Mr. Woodson is a black man. Um, He is very intelligent. He is very successful. And his stance is that the 1619 Project wallows in victimhood. It ignores success. It promotes despair. And that it says the cycle of institutionalized racism will always govern the lives of black people. That's his stance of where he's at on this. Now, while I respect his opinion, I cannot agree. I cannot. I see the article um, just existing is promoting success. The fact that the 1619 Project is even a thing is promoting success. I mean, look at it. I'll go back to schools, history. There's not much about black people in the 400 year period that we were brought here as cargoes and slaves and less than a human to now where we are. There's not much. So to have something like this on a national platform is amazing. I mean, we have a mainstream publication discussing the oppression and real history of the start of this nation and the black people who were brought here. The fact that the article was created by Black people 
would have never happened before. It would have never had this chance. We would have never had this chance without fighting for equality and change. The fact that the article exists is proof of success. And we can go from victims to agents of change. I mean, it's amazing that this even exists. I mean, yes, while the project does talk about the existence of institutionalized slavery and racism that still exists today, it doesn't promote helplessness. It pinpoints examples and practices that many people may have never acknowledged and can now fight to change. One example that I'll bring up of that, that is talked about in the actual 1619 Project. Um, The author, she talks about working a job in a call center when she was younger. And I immediately related to this because she talked about, and this is on the 1619 Project podcast. There is a podcast of it. It's very, very good. Also, if you listen to The Daily, The Daily did an episode featuring the first episode of the 1619 Project podcast. Um, And she talked about this experience of working in a call center and in the call center she was working at, It didn't matter what was going on. You were expected to work to get yourselves. Nothing else mattered. I take it to a point where I worked in a call center. I worked in the AT&T call center. This was one of my first jobs once I had finally turned 18. And, you know, it was offering a good amount of money that I had never seen before at that age. I mean, before then, I had worked like a little job at a clothing store. um, And I think I was making like eight or nine bucks an hour, that was it. At this call center, I was coming in and they were paying $13 an hour plus commission. But the workload was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. I think I would maybe talk to about two to 300 people in a day. All of them screaming and yelling or upset about something or fraudulently calling in trying to use someone else's social security number to get a goddamn cell phone. Now, throughout all of that, screaming and yelling and the stress that's brought on and the crazy work hours and not having much of a home life, if you took time for yourself at any point in your day to get up to go to the bathroom, to maybe go get something to eat, to go on your lunch break, it was seen as just something so negative. And there was an overwhelmingly majority of Black people who worked in this call center compared to white people or people of other races that could be identified as white. And all of the management were white. There was not one single Black or person of color in a management position in this call center. And I remember there was one time I was like sick. I had strep throat and I called into work and it was I think actually my very first time ever calling into work. Calling into work said, hey, I have strep throat. I have a doctor's note and everything. I'll bring it with me. And the manager I was speaking to was like, so you can't come to work? And I'm on the phone kind of struggling to talk because it was a pretty bad case of strep throat that I had. I could barely swallow. And I'm like, no, I cannot talk. And I have a fever of 102 degrees. I need to stay home. As opposed to just saying, okay, 
or, you know, feel better, well, you're going to have to make up this time because this is unacceptable that you're missing work. And think about how it's going to affect the team because everybody else has to take up your workload. And this is just completely unacceptable. How do you think we're supposed to function if one of our team members isn't here? That was the exact response that I got from that supervisor. It was disgusting. It was disgusting. And I bring that up because when she was talking about her experience in the call center, it was kind of the same experience that people in slavery would have. Now, I would never compare what I went to through the exact form of slavery because slavery consisted of beatings, murders, rapes, killings, lynchings, all these terrible things. And you were hunted down like an animal if you tried to escape. I will relate it to the fact that the slavers, well, the slavers, who were controlling the people who were enslaved, did not care how they felt, didn't care that they were exhausted, didn't care that they needed a break, didn't care that they were brought here against their will. They just wanted the work done. And that was the same practice that occurred in that call center of where I worked. It's disgusting. And that was one of my first experiences in a real job. And it has stuck with me to this day. That's how clearly I can tell the story of it because it has stuck with me. It has literally been ingrained with me to the point now where I feel bad even trying to show up to work five minutes late. And it's it's terrible. I'm not saying that you should be lackadaisical when it comes to work or, you know, don't be that person who says, hey, I'm going to be running late to work. And then you finally leave your house. And as opposed to going to work, you're like, well, you know what? I'm late, so I'm going to go pay some bills. I'm probably going to go get a tan. I'm going to pick up a bottle of champagne, maybe meet my friends for a mimosa. And then after that, you're like, okay, well, now I'm three hours late, so let me run into work and then rush through the door out of breath like I've been running here all the way from Sri Lanka. No, don't do that. (laughs) Don't do that. I did that before and it's completely irresponsible. Don't do that. That's just not okay. But if you're going to be late for work, it happens. It happens to everybody. And I don't think anybody should be made to feel like they're a horrible, terrible individual just because things happen. Life does occur. And it's one of those things where it's kind of transitioned to that. That mindset is still in this world of if you're working here for this conglomerate, you are our property and you're going to work for us. And fuck the fact that your leg has just fallen off in the parking lot. You better get your ass in here, sit down and take some calls. And maybe someone will come over for a tourniquet to stop the bleeding. That's that's what I feel. But I feel that bringing up the stories of the enslaved, the way the 16... 19 Project does, is that it brings this information to the forefront of uh, a people who maybe maybe may not have known that. And the fact that it is being reported by people who have achieved success will hopefully inspire our future generations to achieve even more and even greater success and never let the world return back to where it was. See, I had a point where I was going with that. I confused myself for a little bit, but I had a point that 
even where I was in that moment of my life working in that contact center and honestly feeling like I was just bound there with no relief at all, it does get better. And I know that the people I've talked to, people that I maybe have helped encourage, some of my gay kids, you know, who are just like, hey, I just want to find a good life and be good. These experiences, I can pass along to them. The same way the 1619 Project is passing along information and experiences to people who may not have known about it. So I don't see the 1619 Project as hurting people. Not at all. I see it as only something that's beneficial. It is beneficial to people of all races, all creeds, all orientations, all gender and non-gender identifications. It's useful to every single person. Now, I have also seen um, articles that I don't validate at all that were written by people who are not Black, calling the 1619 Project something terrible. My only thing I have to say to you is you are not Black. You are able to trace your lineage lineages very well. Very, very well. For people who are Black, it stops at some point. Tracing their lineage stops because there are so many situations where there is no way to figure out where your bloodline actually started. Because you were ripped out of a country. Well, at least your ancestors were ripped out of a country and brought here as property. So there's no tracing of the genome. There's no tracing of the family lineage. The family tree maybe be handed down over the years as oral history, but there's no way to actually track it. Because when enslaved people were snatched out of Africa and places with black people, they were snatched out, thrown into ships like cargo and shipped here. Nobody cared. Same thing as your Amazon order that's coming in the mail. So, Mr. Woodson, I don't know you personally. I hope that one day if I do get to talk to you, you can explain your side to me more. The article itself, I don't feel that it goes into too much depth. I feel like it's just an opinion with no facts to support it. Um, And you could probably say that about me. But at the end of the day, I don't see this as something hurtful. And I am confused why somebody who is Black would say that. The final thing that I want to talk about that has left me smeckledorfed. I am confused. I am compuzzled. I feel like somebody is giving me a Samsung television and told me that I need to figure out how to turn that bitch into an LG. I am confused by this. And it has to do with gun control and background checks. Now, I'm pretty sure you have all seen individual one on television flip-flopping about background checks and what he's gonna do with the NRA and the fact that his skin seems to get oranger and oranger every time he talks about it and unless you live on a different planet you have heard about the crazy amounts of mass shootings that have happened here in the United States of America side fucking note the United States of America has the highest ever 
amount of mass shootings of civilians in the entire world. In the entire world. Let that fucking sink in for a minute. Even countries where there is constant domestic bombings and attacks, we outrank them by a massive amount. The amount of mass shootings we have is compared to, if you're a sports fan, Usain Bolt running against somebody who is in the Paralympics and doing a sprint in a wheelchair. They can still do the event, but not one of their times would compare to Usain Bolt's at all. Another way to compare it is imagine a child, maybe four years old, putting on boxing gloves and hopping in the ring with Floyd Mayweather and having a full-on fight. Who do you think is going to win? That is how uh, unbalanced the amount of this is happening. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous the fact that we have to have a counter for this kind of thing. But now there are some great things that have been happening in the news with retailers. You know, Walmart. Um, I I know that Wegmans was on the list. And if you're not familiar with Wegmans, Wegmans is probably the greatest grocery store in the world. I mean, I moved from Texas back to New York because there was no Wegmans in Texas. I mean, that was a good 45% of why I moved back. I miss Wegmans. Wegmans is great. But they are telling people, even in open carry states, that they do not want them to bring their guns into the store. And that is very, very appropriate. I don't feel anything is wrong with that. On top of that, Walmart, one of the biggest retailers in the world, has said that they are going to stop selling ammunition for guns, especially things that can be used in assault rifles. This is brilliant. This is beautiful. Now, I don't understand why there are people out there saying that Walmart's a terrible place for doing this and Walmart is so bad for doing this. I mean, you know, if you want to talk about what Walmart's bad for, why is it that people at Walmart have to get a second job just to pay for the goddamn insurance the company offers? That's something you should be upset about. Not the fact that you can't go buy a bullet there and go shoot Sally. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Or how about we talk about the fact that when you go into Walmart, one of the floors is always fucking sticky. They have a whole aisle full of bleach and Mr. Clean and all these other things, but you can't keep a goddamn floor clean. By the way, if you haven't figured out, this one is not safe for work. I have cursed a lot and I typically don't curse as much. But what has me confused is one, the NRA. I am trying to figure out why the NRA always seems to be involved in the discussions about gun control and background checks. The NRA is not a government body. They are not a federal entity. They do not supply anything to the government and they are not a part of the government. So why does it seem that every time a conversation comes up about gun control, the the NRA is mentioned, whether it's on the news, whether it's coming from the White House, whether it's coming from Congress, or it's coming from the Senate, for some reason, they always want to involve the NRA. I'm so perplexed on that. I mean, the NRA started during the Civil War by the Union, by Union recruits, and they had 
been around forever. They have always been against the banning of guns, and they have about 5 million members. The only thing that I see the NRA doing is that they're always lobbying politicians, they're throwing money around, and they have no concern for mass shootings. I mean, the fact that, uh, was it Heston, George Heston, I think his name was, who was the head of the NRA after a mass shooting and people were starting to talk about it. I think this was after Columbine when people were talking about gun control and maybe banning assault weapons and making it harder to get guns. He had the nerve to stand up on stage and hold a rifle up in his hand and say, over my, uh, over my dead body or... You have to take it from my dead hands before I let people start banning guns. Like, come on, you have no concern for people. You don't care at all. The NRA head right now, I don't even know who that is, is obviously not concerned about the lives of people who are being killed by this gun violence. Their main focus is just to maintain influence and power over the government. And all of the government officials who do not stand up for them, uh, will stand up to them, you are not doing what you have been elected to do. You have let a commercial entity, you have let a organization that just wants to make money run the government. That is what you have done. You have not done anything. If you are afraid to take on the NRA, you shouldn't be in fucking politics. Let's just be quite honest about it. The NRA is a bunch of people who just want to have power, do not care about people dying. I mean, the fact that children have been killed over and over again when they're just going to school to learn, and the NRA has done nothing to stop that, come on. The NRA rallied at the fact, and this was a long time ago, when an NRA member was shot and killed by federal agents. And they're like, oh no, we have to have some more control. We have to talk about de-escalation. We have to talk about gun control and all these things when one of their members gets killed. But when children who are getting killed, they're like, oh, no, there's no problem. Everybody who's just doing the shootings are just crazy. It has nothing to do with the guns. It has nothing to do with the access to the guns. Nothing about that. I mean, come on. You gotta be kidding me. I mean, there are background checks that are in place. There are background checks that are in place to stop people from buying guns who shouldn't have them. But these background checks really hold no water. There's a time limit on them. I think it's three days. And if it doesn't get done in three days, the person can just go buy their gun no matter what. And there's such a backlog of these background checks that need to be done that people can't do them properly. The departments that are supposed to be doing these background checks are so overwhelmed with requests for the checks that they can't get them done. And I'm pretty sure they're underemployed. So I just don't understand it. I mean... And then people talk about the private sale of guns because the private sale of guns, they don't have to go through all these measures and background checks all the time. Sometimes it's just, hey, you got 40 bucks, here's a Glock. And it's like, what the fuck? I mean, we trip if someone goes on the street and meets up with a dealer and buys a dime or a dub of weed in just a little handshake exchange. That's like, oh my God, oh, the blacks. They're out there buying their weed and listening to their raps. That's just terrible. Well, just so you know, weed, I can't kill somebody else with my weed. 
I have not heard a documented case of people dying from smoking their own weed unless it's laced with something. But you guys want to keep in effect people being able to go buy guns outside of a legal realm in a private exchange and say, oh, no, that's fine. Yes, he's buying something that can be used to kill other people. Something that is designed, the specific design of a gun is to kill They can buy that in a private exchange, and there's no problem about that. How does that make sense? How does that make sense? I mean, how? How, 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 how? Somebody please explain that to me. You know, when it comes to these situations, I just don't get it. Because if we take the NRA out of the conversation and just focus on the people and the safety, I'm very sure that we can make an effective change. We can make a change that could save lives. And if you are one of those people who like saw the kids from schools protesting and talking about we don't want to die, we don't want to be killed, those children are not protesting to say take away every gun in America. They're saying please make it harder for somebody to kill so many of us. And that is sad that they have to say that. That is sad that children have to say, please make it harder for us to die in such large numbers. They shouldn't have to say that at all. They shouldn't have to worry about dying when they go and pick up that fucking terrible copy of Huck Finn. They shouldn't have to. The second thing that is confusing the hell out of me when it comes to this gun debate is the people who say, I need seven AR-15s in my house. I need them to hunt and I need them to protect my home. To the people who are saying that, I have to ask you, where the fuck do you live that you need seven AR-15s to protect your home? Are you living in war-torn Syria? Maybe the Sudan? Are you in Fallujah? Like, Like, where do you live? Where do you live and the fact that you need weapons of war to protect your home? I am thoroughly confused about that. I mean, honestly, if you live in an area that is that dangerous that you need machine assault weapons to protect your homestead, I think you should move. To be quite honest, I think you should move. And I know some people are going to say, well, I should be able to live wherever I want to live. And that is true. You should be able to live wherever you want to live. But there is an old parable that has been told for centuries. And it's about a man who built his house on a foundation that was not stable. The foundation that he built his house on was in a flood zone. And every time a flood occurred, his house was washed away. But every time he came back and built the house over and over and over again. But he would complain that the flood always tore down his house. Then a wise man came along and said, hey, how about you build your house over here? You can still be in the same area, but this is safer because there's no floodwaters that reach this higher land. Your house will not be washed away. And lo and behold, this man built his house in the area that the man suggested and his house never washed away again. Take that back to the people who say, I need seven AR-15s to protect my home. If your house is in that dangerous of an area, honey, I'm knocking on your front door right now. 
move. If it's that dangerous, get the fuck up and move. Because the only people that I have heard say this argument are stupid-ass Meghan McCain on The Fucking View and then people who live in hyper-rich areas. Now, I know rich people are crazy. We have seen it. Especially these crazy white rich kids who feel they need to go shoot shit up. That's a whole nother issue. As opposed to living in an unsafe area, you just have some serious issues that need to be dealt with. The other part of it is when they say, for hunting, I need an AR-15. An AR-15 is a weapon of war. I have to ask you, are you hunting T-Rexes? Nope, no, no, no. I know what it is. You plan on taking down Godzilla because you want one of those Godzilla thighs. I hear dark meat is great. Dark meat has to be delicious. I mean, I fucking love dark meat. So I I can only imagine Godzilla's dark meat. Oh my God, I bet you it's so juicy. Bet you it's just delicious and melts in your mouth. I mean, oh my gosh, that thigh. Do y'all see that when he screams and shoots the flames out of his mouth? He's already flame broiled dark meat. Bread it, deep fry it, put it in a basket with a biscuit. Whew. Okay. I can understand it. That's why you need those AR-15s. Because you want that Godzilla meat. (sighs) You know what? I'm sorry, y'all. I'm just so confused. I am so confused on this gun debate. I just want somebody to do something. I hate going into Walmart. But I would like to be able to go into a shopping store and not have to worry about someone pulling out an AR-15 and shooting me while I'm trying to read the label of a juice bottle. I think that's reasonable. I really don't think that's something bad. I I would like to know that my nephews and my niece are going to be able to go to school safely and not have to worry about some disgruntled kid running in there and mowing kids down with bullets. I would really like that. But I guess that's just asking too much. I guess it is. So guys, those are the things I wanted to just discuss and talk about. It's uh, it's very, very, very interesting, at least to me. And hopefully this confusion will lift and maybe we'll get to a great, great era and time in our history. Um, that's where I'm going to end the show at today. I actually don't have anything to talk about for the lifestyle lens because I just don't today. I don't really have anything that I want to talk about. I mean, this whole podcast today was probably enough rants for the next four or five years for me. But like always, if you would like to contribute to the show, you can do so on the social medias. Just look for a lifestyle of a gay black boy. You can also search for Lifestyle GBB or hashtag LGBB. Or you can also interact with me via email. To do that, just email me at lifestylegbb at gmail.com. That's lifestyle, G is in gay, B is in black, B is in boy at gmail.com. And I will be sure to read what you have to say. You can ask for advice. You can suggest some topics for me you can just curse me the hell out and if you get past six curse words i'm not reading anymore because at that point i might as well go eat a popeye's biscuit without some damn water and choke (laughs) that is what i can do 
Um, if you're listening on the Anchor app, you can also send me a voice message, and I've had some pretty good ones, just none I've played on the show yet, but keep sending them, because I love them. Um, guys, this is where we're going to end it. It's been great. If you like this podcast, I ask that you share it with your friends, your family, your dogs, your pets, your lice, your roaches, your bed bugs, your fragrance, your colognes, the cup of water that you're drinking on. And if you have a good sausage right now, share it with the damn sausage. Share it and rate because without you guys, it's going to be possible. I'm just enjoying this experience. So to end it today, I have a quote that comes from Roy Mustang and Full Metal Alchemist. The world's not perfect, but it's there for us, trying the best it can. That's what makes it so damn beautiful. Have a good weekend, guys.